Hey everyone, I'm Erin, and you're listening to Capital, a podcast helping you make the most out of your 20s. And then also there's studies by the Harvard Business Review that actually suggest that 90% of students list pursuing their passion as an important career goal. And, you know, this is just before you're emerging into um, that workforce. So a lot of people are going in with a passion mindset. Now, contrast that with the craftsman mindset and advocates like Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy. So I would definitely place him in the craftsman mindset because he's been very vocal about not following your passion, but instead bringing it with you, which makes sense because he learned that on dirty jobs where he's seeing professions that I'm sure, you know, very few children considered when asked what to do when you grow up, even though some of those professions make a lot of money, but they're just things that you wouldn't think of, but ultimately things that societies need. If we're all, and uh, I'll get into this later, but uh, Mike Rowe and others like him have basically pulled out that argument that, you know, if we're all following our passion, then who's going to be doing the jobs that need to get done that nobody in their, you know, childhood was fantasizing about. So as you can tell, I'm personally a fan of the craftsman mindset, and I'll tell you why. Uh, One of the reasons that makes me a craftsman mindset advocate is that, you know, when people say follow your passion, I don't know about you guys, but I automatically think of following like an inner compass. And if I just pay attention to the magnetic pull, I'll get to where I need to be and I'll love it. But I never imagined that the journey of getting to where I need to be would actually be filled with obstacles, you know, fences with barbed wire across them, cliff faces, congested streets, in rain, sleet, tornadoes, hurricanes, hail, you know, and your magnetic pull isn't necessarily the same strength every day. It varies. So in my last episode, in the midst of talking about rare and valuable skills, I also mentioned something called the passion mindset and the craftsman mindset. Um, And I wanted to go into, I wanted to use this episode to go further in depth into those terms and kind of expand on how adopting the um, either one of those mindsets can get you the job that you love. So I got this um, terminology from reading So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newton, which is a fantastic book. I definitely recommend it. Um, And basically it's saying that the passion mindset is where you're pursuing a job that you're passionate about, whereas the craftsman mindset is pursuing a job um, that you might not, not necessarily be passionate about, but that you are constantly improving on your craft in so that you can be uniquely valuable. Um, and obviously there are a lot of contradicting arguments when it comes to which of these mindsets is better. I definitely feel like just from existing that there's like a strong, strong focus on the passion mindset. Like there's a myriad of self-help books out there. There are blogs, vlogs dedicated to this. Um, influencers and um, celebrities, especially, I feel like I often hear about how them recommending that we should do what uh, we love and follow that passion, uh, which I definitely get because, you know, they're sharing their experience and that seems to be what worked for them. So why wouldn't they tell their audience and their fans the same thing? It's strongest when the going is easy and weakest when the going gets rough and you feel too weary to keep going, you know, so... That, at least for me, is one of the reasons why I advocate the craftsman mindset. 
Another one is that I've seen a lot more research supporting the craftsman mindset than the passion mindset. Like there have been studies where they interview, you know, just average people who love what they do and many don't or didn't have a pre-existing passion for what they do. They just grew to love it as they became more competent and sure of themselves. And then uh, there's also Cal Newton talks about a study by a Yale researcher, Amy Wozniewski, and she surveyed people to see who saw their work as a calling and who saw it as a job. But, you know, 10 years down the line in a job, pretty much the same percentage of people from both sides were saying that their work was their calling. So ultimately, it didn't really matter if you stayed in that job for a certain amount of time. It didn't really matter whether you entered the job with a passion or not which was really impactful to me. It meant a lot to me. I also have, you know, personal experience. I followed my passion first. I had, in high school, I took some um, video editing courses and I really enjoyed it. I thought that I, like parts of it came naturally to me. I could tell where would be a good time to cut from one shot to the next, especially when it came to music videos. That's what I was always fantasizing about. Whenever I listened to a song, I would think about how I might edit it, especially if there was a choreography video involved, how I might edit it to better accentuate that. So I pursued that in terms of my career. I did my study abroad um, where I went to a film academy in Prague. And honestly, that should have been my first clue that this wasn't really the right field for me because that was the first time I went to Washington University in St. Louis, which is not an art school. So being at this film academy was the first time that I was really surrounded by peers who were very, very passionate about filmmaking. And I just realized that they were doing so much in their spare time to hone their craft. They were in beyond that, they were interested in those aspects of film Um, and photography that would make them better filmmakers, like experimenting with ISO and their aperture and their lighting and all these things that are necessary if you want to get better in that field. So especially for creative careers, it's so important to have a portfolio and basically demonstrate that you are pursuing this and getting better at this in your spare time. Um, whether or not you actually have a career in that field, you have to be, at least as a videographer, you have to be putting out new stuff, showing that you are getting better um, and that you are committed to this. So that should have been my first sign. But, you know, I blazed past it and didn't notice it. And I went on to get my first job at a TV network. And I'm grateful for it because I had so many different responsibilities, which allowed me to experience so many different professions in the TV industry. So it really helped me realize that I wasn't really willing to push myself that hard in any of them. Not to say that I wasn't a hard worker in general when I was on the job, but I didn't take that extra time to hone my craft. And when I talked to other producers who had come to this network from other networks like CNN, they really opened my eyes because they told me it would basically be more of the same. There would be the same challenges in the future and that the reward would continue to be the work. And that was when I realized that it probably wasn't for me because I clearly did not want to hone that craft outside of being paid for it. So now I'm in software engineering, um, a field that I hadn't really considered, but I had a natural knack for it. And more importantly, I am totally willing to work hard to get better at it outside of anybody else's demands on me. 
I'm taking the extra courses, I'm tackling the coding challenges, I'm adding to my portfolio and I'm learning new technologies. And you know, I have my lazy days and weeks just like everybody else, but I take getting better at this and honing my craft very seriously. So that's a little bit why personally I am for the craftsman mindset. And then there's a good point that the Harvard Business Review brings up, and that's that following your passion, it's, it indicates a fixed mindset on passion, that we're born passionate about what we're passionate about. But really, we should be having a growth mindset on passion, that we can develop new passions. Because it's very limiting to say that, you know, the only things that you're passionate about are, you know, one, two, and three, when really you can develop new passions all the time. And if we're only looking, if we're following our passions and we're only looking in those three pathways, when really there are 10 potential passions out there for us, then, you know, we've limited ourselves for no real reason. So I'm not saying all of this to be negative and I'm absolutely like, you know, if you want to follow your passion, I absolutely support that and I understand why you would and I hope all the best success for you, you know. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that the jobs that we love are the ones that give us creativity, control and impact. And by creativity, I mean opportunities to improvise our work and implement our ideas By control, I mean, you know, some say over how, when and where our work gets done. And then by impact, I mean that our work has a positive influence on on coworkers and customers. So those were three traits that Cal Newton mentioned in jobs that people loved. And I would actually tack on to that, uh, that having awesome coworkers is also a benefit. I don't know if that's necessary, but I would definitely advocate for it. But On the whole, I can definitely say that these three traits that Cal mentions, I can attest to. They make a difference. But in order to have these things at your job, those are really rare things that, that, you know, companies only want to give to assets. So you need to be able to give something of worth in return. And that's where developing rare and valuable skills comes in. And if you have a craftsman mindset, then you're choosing a job based on what you excel at and whether or not you feel like you can do the necessary work to get better at that skill, no matter how boring or how tedious it might become. So if you want to have those three traits, the creativity, the control, the impact, you have to be willing to, number one, take on challenging projects until you're the go-to person for those types of challenging projects. And by challenging, I mean like nobody else wants them kind of challenging. And then the second thing you have to do is, you know, daily deliberate practice where you are consistently trying to improve on yourself. The method that Cal refers to is actually from Anders Ericsson in his book, Peak, How to Master Almost Anything. And he suggests focusing a type of focus on your work where you're alternating between what's comfortable for you and what's uncomfortable, AKA what's challenging for you. And then you're getting immediate feedback and guidance from seniors and mentors to see where you've gone wrong, see where you can improve. And that's how you can improve quickly and make sure that you're doing it as efficiently as possible. You know, so you're not just constantly putting in or putting your nose to the grindstone when you could really be targeting areas that you're weakest in to get better. So where does that put you? Well, I can tell you from personal experience what I've done to get better. Um, As I mentioned before, I am learning new technologies. I'm trying to, I set up Google alerts for the tech industry so I can hear about upgrades to different languages, so I can hear about new new up and coming languages that might be, or softwares that might be important for me to know. Because if I know those technologies, I know them deeply, 
then I already have a leg up on somebody else, even if overall my knowledge isn't as deep as someone else or I haven't been as experienced in this industry as someone else. So that gives me a little bit of an advantage. Then I'm tackling uh, coding challenges and going to meetups because that's where with coding challenges, I can see where I need to improve, whether or not the implementation of my code is uh, good or whether or not the speed of how quickly I solve problems is good all that type of things, those sites give me some analytics basically that I can judge my improvements on and I can figure out and target which areas I need to improve on. And then when I go to meetups, I can talk to other people, see what they have been doing to make themselves better, what challenges and projects they have been taking on, potentially get on those projects as well. I've worked on a couple of coding projects recently and it's definitely eye-opening. It's totally different than practicing by myself. So that is yet another area of improvement that I can keep focusing on. And then I'm adding to my portfolio because ultimately I want to be able to point to concrete evidence that I've been getting better so that when I go to my job or I'm looking for new jobs, they have something they can look at to demonstrate how I work hard and how I'm a valuable asset who deserves those three traits, the creativity, control, and impact at my job. So those are how I'm getting better. I think it will benefit, if you are interested in this, it will definitely benefit you to do some research, talk to people in the industry, keep up on industry news. I know a lot of people do that through Twitter and other social media networks that are very fast paced and up with new updates. Um, You can do like I did and set Google alerts on your industry on specific keywords. I always think that's helpful so you can get that information directly to your inbox. So those are a couple of things that you can do. And if you're interested, I can definitely make an episode that delves into honing your skill more completely so that we can really kind of get a process going for how you can make yourself a valuable asset at your job. But that I think is the takeaway to remember from this is that you want to make yourself a valuable asset. And another takeaway that I definitely want to make clear is that you can follow your passion. You can follow your passion. These things don't have to be mutually exclusive. In fact, there, I think actually the Harvard Business Review was the one that suggested this, but perhaps instead of thinking of your passion as something that you, you know, enjoy as something that's fun, you can think of like, what are the passions or the things I care about rather than the things I love? Because that implies the values that you're trying to uphold and the impact that you're trying to make on a community. If you're looking to see okay, what can I work in that I care about? And I think that is successful because we intrinsically think of the things we care about as coming with certain challenges and hurdles. And we think of those as worth it because we hold those values near and dear to our heart. And that helps us stick to these jobs without getting discouraged just because we're running into, you know, moments where we're at the end of our rope or moments where we feel our passion ebbing and that kind of thing. We know that passion ebbs and flows and that what we care about is important, not just enjoyable, it is important. And that way we can keep going. So that's it for this episode. If you have any experiences you would like to share, tips and tricks, ideas for future episodes, or if you just like this episode and have some feedback to give me, please leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts or on the podcast Instagram page at Capital Podcast. Or you can also shoot me a message at capitalthepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'm always looking to learn. So thanks for listening and come back soon for new content.